Hello, animation fans, and welcome to our 54th podcast. Uh, in this podcast, we did a roundtable interview with four artists, three of whom are iAnimate instructors, about an art festival that took place a couple months back in Wuj, Poland, called Promised Land. Uh, Promised Land was the brainchild of Sebastian Kalimba, one of our games instructor, and a co-worker of his, Pawel. I'm not going to be able to pronounce the last name, but it's M-I-E-L-N-I-C. Z-U-K, um, two talented artists at CD Projekt Red. Uh, this art festival brought speakers from around the world from such studios as Gorilla Games, Platige Image, Blizzard Entertainment, Industrial Light Magic, Ubisoft, and obviously CD Projekt Red. It looked like a great event uh, full of creativity, a lot of different types of art um, for the animation community, as well as a beautiful location, as you'll see in our show notes uh, from a video that they have. Because it included a handful of speakers who are our instructors, uh, Sebastian Kalimba, Jeremy Collins, Simon Unger, and Rick Arroyo, um, I thought it'd be a, a neat opportunity to interview these guys. Uh, I've had the privilege of interviewing Sebastian, Jeremy, and Simon uh, in different podcasts of their own. And so I thought it would just make a neat interview having an actual roundtable with these guys who were speakers there at Promised Land. And it did not disappoint. So let's check it out. All right, you guys ready to jump in this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's Pavel. Pavel. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you for being so nice. <laughs> All right. Yes, yeah. Well, thank you guys very much for joining me. Um, I know we're working on different time zones, so it's always cool to be able to take a little bit of time. I know we got a little after ten and a little bit. Uh, after uh, seven in the morning for you guys. So really, just really appreciate you guys' uh, time here. Um, Promised Land, I'd love to hear how it got started, um, why Poland, uh, how it came about. I think you should start, Pavel. <laughs> well, uh, for many years, actually, me, Seb, and Marek Made, we are uh, trying to organize this kind of event in Poland because we really felt that this, uh, some, this kind of event is really missing in our part of Europe. Uh, all the cool events were always somewhere else, you know, there's like plenty of people um, in Poland eager to join this kind of uh, festival or conference uh, just to get knowledge, to be inspired, you know, just exchange knowledge with um, colleagues from abroad. So, um, yeah, and finally, two years ago, we managed, we convinced our, uh, our company to help us to do it. Uh, there's, you know, our company has a um, huge experience in organizing events because of the, all the gaming events that we've taken part in. So it was way easier for us um, to pull that. Pull that. Yeah, yeah, and this is what we thought. Actually, it was a this kind of a crazy idea. We came back from a few events. I came back from THU in, uh, in Portugal, and Pablo came back from a different event, and we've been like, oh my God, let's do something here in Poland, you know? That is crazy idea, and we just... Uh, went to head of the studio and uh, that was our proposition. I said, hey, let's do this. Uh, if you allow us to do something and you'll help us, we'll, we'll make this happen, yeah? And he said, okay, hell well, yeah, you know? Yeah, actually, it took us three or four years to convince him. To yeah, honest. yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. But it was an opportunity because we have a good contacts there in Wuch because there's exactly the place when the, when the event happens. And uh, we got a crazy beautiful venue i think guys can talk about the experience um, and and Wuj, the city is all about you know um art 
film and, and, and festivals like that. So both of us, like, you know, Wuche and CD Projekt Red, we like, we've been like, you know, Partner. partners, mm -hmm. yeah, like, let's do this, you know, it was very, it was a perfect timing, the same, and, uh, you, you know, and this is how we started two years ago, so it's two editions already. Now, I've seen some of the um, kind of uh, talks that your guys is, that you, at CD Projekt Red have had, um, I think talking about the Witcher uh, project, things of that nature, and they seem, your company seems very uh, community oriented. Um, yes. Uh, so that's very cool that they're, they were willing to uh, help you guys in this. It didn't seem like there was probably too much arm twisting to get them to help you out. You know, what I would say about the community oriented uh, company is that CD Projekt is all about community, in my opinion. It's like, we do games for the players, you know, for people. Uh, and and um, the event has exactly the same agenda, you know? Uh, so we're doing it for people. Even if the, uh, we have this open day, which is for students, but we have a close event, which is uh, for professionals, but still, the, um, the the agenda is like they, for people who are exchanging knowledge and this is actually really part of the CD project Red. you know like this is no kind of cheat you know mm. uh, there's we're just doing it for people for for, for and for us of course to, uh, because we would like to learn and have a new experience every single day yeah? very cool now um I've had, we've had a podcast with three of the four guys, Sebastian, Jeremy, and yeah. Simon here. Um, Paolo, why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, duties there at CD Projekt Red, how you came into the industry, and uh, what you're currently doing there? Mm -hmm. Well, actually, um, so the project is, uh, I'm, I'm a character artist originally, 3D artist, character artist, uh, my main tool of choice is ZBrush, <laughs> and um, I'm, uh, the project is the first company I'm working in, but I work here for almost uh, over 11 years already, mm -hmm. so I, I joined the project when I was on my second year, and um, studying, and I joined just one year before release of Witcher 1, so I'm, I joined the company when it was like around... 40 and 60 people here. Now it's uh, over 500. We are, I think, we're reaching 600 globally. Uh, so um, yeah, and uh, during that time, I was I was the starting from junior character artist. I went through all the character artist uh, stages, especially senior. And now I'm a character artist director. And, uh, so we for the environment director and lighting director, we are taking care of the, the global uh, art vision of the games we are doing. Okay. Now, I did see, and I was sharing this with Simon beforehand, uh, a festival highlights from this 2017 uh, mm -hmm. gathering you guys had, and that front building that you put shows up at the very beginning. Can you tell us a little about that? It was just really, really cool architecture. Yeah, it's fantastic. That's actually, um, that's why, um, the, the, why we're doing it with, with, with which, of course, the city is very kind for us and they're helping us a lot. But this conference um, building that uh, is new is absolutely astonishing. It is a over 100 years old electric power plant that was, it was closed, I think, around 10 years ago. Yeah. And it was revitalized and uh, modernized. And now it's serving as a giant uh, conference uh, center. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely yeah. beautiful, you know. It's uh, you see that the, the architecture in there is just like from a from movie, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when to the main hall, the first first thing you, you is, is in your brain is like, okay, the Wes Anderson would be, would be very happy to to, do, to have few seats here because everything is so like symmetrical and and beautiful. So yeah, 
This place is crazy good. And now where is it at? It's in Wuch. It's uh, in the center of Poland. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, you have to forgive me. the capital of Warsaw, maybe like an hour and a half south of mm -hmm. Warsaw. Okay. In the okay. center of Poland. Yeah. Very cool. Now, was that place picked because of its uh, architecture, or, or how did that work out for you guys? Um, actually, uh, it was a proposition from from Watch to to, um, to make it in this uh, center. Initially, you know, we wanted to make the event uh, significantly smaller. We are thinking about like you know, 100, 150 people events, uh, getting like you know, like. Um, 10 or a bit more, up to 20 speakers. Um, but uh, they show us the, the center. It's just, it's enormous, you know. The, the main conference hall, uh, the capacity is of 800 people. So if you put 100 people inside, it just looks silly, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's it's like sponge. We, we just can't make a small event here. It's impossible. It looks stupid, you know. <laughs> so we just, uh, and we decided to expand and, and it's, uh, and make the festival like significantly smaller than we actually wanted. Plus, it was more or less like a lucky shot because we even didn't expect such a venue, you know. Uh, which was very eager to have a new festival in the city. We've been like all about to create new one in Poland. And they just, you know, show us the venue and be like, oh my God, this is like beyond our imagination. You know, it's like better than we could even expect. <laughs> Yeah, we said like, we actually, we don't need to do anything here. We'll just get all those guys, you know, they'll sit in the middle of the building and just start drawing it and that'll be cool enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, did you, find, did you guys find it difficult to um, notify people, attract people there? Because this is only your second year and I, after watching that um, festival highlights, it looked like it was really solid turnout. Uh, it is, but still, I think still we have a problem with reaching people yeah. with, uh, to, to not tell them about our festival. Um, like, you know, a few of our guys were on the train horse just a week after our festival this year, and they said, nobody heard about us, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, there are not too many ways to get into the community with, with the information about this yeah. festival, I think. Um, I, I thought that it would not be a problem for a company. We, we have like, you know, our network and community is just huge. But, uh, you know, it, yeah. was, it wasn't that easy as we thought. Of course, we are like constantly using our, you know, socials, you know, Facebook, Twitters, you know, we cooperate a bit with our station, you know, we, tr we try to, you know, uh, speak loud as much as possible. But definitely after second edition, we decided that that we need definitely boost our PR a bit more mm -hmm. and because all the people who attended are like so happy about like being part of the promised land but still we need to reach like and speak louder and uh, so yeah this is our goal for now and, and yeah and one thing worth noticing is like you know this festival is like more like our hobby you know we are yeah. mostly doing it after hours uh, with help of guys in the, in the company but there's like no one actually doing it full time here uh, so, um, like, the first day after the festival, we just get into the work on, on the games and we just, you know, <laughs> we yeah. unfortunately have to forget about it and, you know, just, just get, uh, get into the, the work pipeline. So, so there is, uh, we're not spending enough time between the conferences to promote it properly. Mm. Yeah. And that's one of the problems. It's like, you know, being a Chuck Norris on two tracks in state, you know. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, one truck is a you know cyberpunk 2077 and a small farm. It's a promised land that you know what to focus on.
Well, one of the things I was telling Simon beforehand uh, is cool is that, you know, we have CTN coming up here um, next month. Um, and it's a neat opportunity for people, uh, you know, around the world to come and kind of meet for this year. But it, I can see on the reverse end for maybe people in the, uh, you know, America, Canada, to be able to head over to Europe to be able to hit something in an event like that. So um, kind of a neat opportunity there. Yeah, you know, and actually this is like even the lineup. Uh, this year it was like half of the half of the um, speakers were out of the Europe, actually. You know? So hopefully, you know, next next year we'll have even more attendees from from states. I don't know Canada. You know, uh, you know, you can guess here. Yeah? But uh, this is what we are aiming for. And of course, we are not going to expand the event crazily. Like mm -hmm. we don't want to have uh, two thousand people in four years from now. No, no, no. It still is going to be quite small. I'm talking like about 500 people like mm. this year. Um, and then no, we don't want to expand it more because then we'll lose this uh, like a private kind of vibe. Well, you know? Also, the, the, the reason behind is because uh, I think like the, the lectures are very important during the conference, but I don't think it's the uh, main dish or maybe it's equal to the, to the workshops because that's, the workshops are like something special that um, uh, would feel that it is special for our conference. We have this 40 computers, uh, computer workshop, we have uh, traditional sculpture workshops that are running all the time. We have drawing workshops. And it's like, uh, you know, lectures and getting knowledge uh, in the traditional way is just one, one way. But the second half of the time you spend on the conference, you actually spend on a, in a hands-on experience. Mm. You sculpt, you draw, you animate with specialists, with cool guys like Jeremy, and you know, using computer, using tablets, you know, and all the tools. So you're not just, you know, listening. Um, yeah, the even like you know the, the thing you can do as a, as a, as an attendee is, is quite organic. You know, you can jump from the lecture to uh, what Pablo said to to sculpt some things you know with masters. And so this is great because it makes you all the time like boosted. You don't have to have a coffee or uh, all the time because you are all, all the time something different is going on. Mm. You know, which is which is amazing. Yeah, but what I mean like we can't expand too much because then. Uh, there'll be too much people on the team, you will not have enough, you know, computers, hardware, and, and uh, I don't know, even sculpting or workshops will not be big enough to actually um, um, to, to yeah, teach all to the people. Yeah. So it needs to be significantly small. Yeah. Reasonably small. Yeah. Mm. Well, let's kind of segue here a little bit. Jeremy and Simon, you guys were uh, lecturers there. How did you guys get hooked up with this? Simon, you want to go first? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, gosh, how did I, I think, uh, I found out Mike was going and I just remember asking <laughs> Seb if, uh, if I could watch the lecture afterwards and then you asked if I wanted to go. Mike Jungbu? Uh, yeah. Mike Jungbu. Yeah. Okay. Right. We've had him in another podcast here too. It's been a bit. Light bomb Mike. Yeah. So no, it was, uh, I was just super excited to go. It's, uh, it was such a, a neat uh, idea for a conference for just a, a set of workshops. The people that were going was a really neat mix of uh, departments and, and skill sets and, and just a super impressive lineup. So I was just humbled to be invited to come and hang out with those people. Um, yeah, I, it was great. I think you guys, I, I'm pretty sure I said it to you when we were there, but it set the bar for me personally for conferences. I've done you know, a handful of these now and 
man, it was everything down to the lighting in the speaking room. <laughs> like it was just so well done. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was really, really impressive. Now, what did you talk about? If you don't want uh, my talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a talk about uh, creating believable creatures in uh, interactive creatures, basically in a game. Uh, talked about some of the stuff we've learned on Dauntless um, with respects to animation pipelines, AI behavior in game, a um, little bit into staging and things like that as well. Mm. It's kind of a mixed bag. Now, how uh, how was that received there? I mean, interacting with some of the attendees afterwards. The I was really, I didn't know what to expect going in. Um, doing it at different places in the world, you never quite know what the culture is for asking questions or being interactive. So I went there hoping people were going to ask a lot of great questions, and they did, which was nice. Um, the crowd was, everybody there was great. It was so friendly. Just the conversations we had um, after every talk, you go and do, um, I can't remember what you guys call it, but like a meet the artist kind of session where you have a separate area aside and, and you go and do another Q and a there. And those conversations just sort of evolve into these really great sort of round table things. Uh, everything was just very organic and it felt really nice. Like, like, uh, Pavel and Seb are saying like it's it's the size lends itself really well to these just little pop-up conversations even in my workshop um, I ended a bit early and then Jeremy starts doing a demo at his workstation on like here's how you do some overlapping stuff and <laughs> Lee, Lee from creative assembly was already finishing coding a tool that Mike was having trouble with in Maya and it just turned into this really cool sort of everybody's huddled around these computers and we're solving problems on computers and working with the students and the pros. And we're like, I have this problem. Well, here's how you solve that. And we're, it was really cool. That's awesome. Very, very cool. Be a, be a good format for a workshop in the future. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did notice that on that uh, festival highlight, someone had mentioned, you know, this is about the people and interacting with the people. And I just, that, that seemed like a really cool vibe there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, everybody's really free to kind of just go up. And that's the cool thing is, is like the entire time you're there, you're just constantly mingling with all the kind of people that are attending as well. And everybody's been was really free about just kind of coming up and asking questions or, you know, we're doing kind of like impromptu real critiques just like in the seats after a talk or something like that, you know, and then like, you know, some some guy will come up to me and be like, hey, could you take a look at my reel? And then Simon's like, hey, maybe you could fix this. And then Mike's like, hey, maybe you could fix this. All this other stuff. Um, so it's really, really collaborative environment. Super cool. Now, what was your talk about, Jeremy? Which one? This is my second year. Oh, I'm that's right. Plan. Yeah. Now, give me uh, real quick, because I think when I did a podcast with you back in, I wrote my notes here, April 2016. Uh-huh. I think that was the year you're getting ready to go there. And you have family back there, if I remember correctly? Yeah, my wife is half Polish. Okay, that's what it so was. So okay. her mom and her family are all from there. I, I actually met Seb in Montreal, though. We were um, – that was – what was that? At Pixel, isn't it? Yeah, we were at Pixel Challenge – or, yeah, Pixel and uh, Montreal International Game Summit. and um, It was Quebec. Oh, was it Quebec? 
Quebec, yeah. Oh, yeah. My bad. That was a different thing I did. Pixel in Quebec. <laughs> I just remember you wanted to get back there, though, and that was it. Because I think, yeah, you mentioned your wife was half uh, Polish. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I so saw I met Seb, and it was weird because we met each other for the first time, and it was like we were, like, old friends, but we had never really, <laughs> I don't know, something about our personalities really clicked with one another. He's a brother from a different mother. <laughs> yeah, we're brothers from different mothers, exactly. So... So, yeah, I don't know. We just got along really super well that week that we were in Quebec. So um, I think a couple he mentioned at the end of the when we were, you know, when we were done with our speeches in Quebec about how he wanted to start up this conference in Poland. And I was like, well, if you're going to do it, fly me out there, man. I want to I want to check it out. And he was like, OK. And then he actually followed through like eight months later. He was like, yeah, it's actually happening. You want to come out? And I was like, well, I got to go now. Yeah. So um, I flew out. And so the first year my talk was called um, Crafting Keyframes, Creating Epic Animated Cycles for World of Warcraft. So it was about just like my day-to-day -day working on World of Warcraft. And then since I'm, I'm actually not working on World of Warcraft anymore, I'm working on a, an announced project um, at Blizzard. I, um, this year I ended up talking about the, what the transition was like from being a feature animator to being a games animator, mm. like what's different, what's similar, you know, kind of trials and tribulations type stuff. So yeah, it was both years were amazing. Can you discuss a little bit about that lecture there? Cause I'm curious, cause we offer both obviously feature and animate and game animation workshops here at iAnimate. It's not a really common path, you know, like there's not, I, I haven't met personally a ton of, there are some that I've met, but they haven't met a ton of um, feature animators that have actually moved to games. It's usually the opposite way. You go from games to film. Mm -hmm. um, it's weird working in really small increments of time. You know, most of the time as an in-game animator, you're working in sub 90 frame chunks, basically. And I was used to like big 300, 400 frame shots. So that was a real big kind of <laughs> uh, learning moment for me. And then also just games animation in general is so different, you know, like responsiveness and interactivity. These are things you don't think about at all when you're working in 2d. And then also kind of like, especially if you're working on a game with a free camera, being able to just move around a character 360 degrees, it changes how you think about posing entirely mm. because you know, when I'm, when I was working on film, all I had to worry about was X and Y, you know, it was a flat image at the end of the day. There's a lot of tricks you can do to kind of um, make things look appealing. But in 3D, you got no, there's no tricks. If you mm. can spin around the character, I have to really make every pose kind of like a sculpture. So yeah, a lot of different stuff. Now, what's interesting too is that uh, I know like even Ken Fountain, one of our feature instructors in, uh, here in the past year, he's worked in VR. And yeah, there's that kind of, similar uh i don't want to say uh, hurdle i guess for lack of a better term in the fact that here he's coming from a feature standpoint but still having to do within the confines of a camera being able to move around at least to a certain degree yeah because you're going from a directed experience obviously something like a film where the camera is basically the audience's eyes to now all of a sudden you can walk around anything at any time look from any angle we have no way how do we direct the viewer in vr uh, I, I can't i've never animated anything in vr but i can imagine it's extremely challenging <laughs> so how was your experience from the first year at promised land to the second how, how did things change for you as far as the uh, venue 
It just got better. Well, the venue is exactly the same. I mean, it was, it was identical to the first year and it was really, really good. The first year it's this huge, it's, um, it was an, so Wuj as a city actually was one of the few cities during world war two that actually wasn't touched by the war at all. Cause Hitler ended up using it because it was a fabric manufacturing plant Mm. or like, you know, it had a lot of textiles. So I think EC one actually used to be a fabric uh production power plant oh it was a power plant yeah Yeah. okay so it was a power plant so it's got a lot of that like industrial kind of like brick and also steel the main room has these giant trusses that go from one side to the other it's really really cool looking awesome so yeah um in terms of the venue it's it's totally it's awesome it's always very cool yeah can we talk a little about the gaming industry? Maybe just kind of your guys' thoughts on how things are uh, kind of evolving. Um, we've got, you know, three different groups here, so to speak, uh, from different companies. Uh, I'd love to hear maybe some of your guys' thoughts are what's going on in the industry right now. I think, you know, I, I would start from one thing because this is what Jeremy actually presented this year. This is like, you know, transition from movies uh, to games was actually great part of the event in general because you can tell that the both industries like movies and games right now overlapping so much each other you know games are like check what's going on with the uncharted it looks like a film you know you have uh, on the last gdc you had this excellent presentation when the guys uh from ilm were presenting that two shots actually in rogue one were were actually created in a real-time engine yeah so you can tell that Five years from now, there's going to be like one huge entertaining industry in 10 years, yeah, but, uh, and, and this is what actually it's, it's amazing because that makes our event, event uh, what we try to do, we try to invite not only like, you know, people specializing in creating games, you know, but from the movies industry, so they really can exchange the knowledge, you know. Mm-hmm. So game is, games industry right now is evolving so quickly that it's really, tough to catch up sometimes with all the you know new technologies and uh, and everything around it this is this is insane i'm very <laughs> curious what's gonna what's gonna happen five years from now mm. it's so good Simon, what about you yeah it's uh, just to kind of build on what seb was saying it's it's unfortunate because the game still as an industry is kind of insular as well between studios and we all are trying to solve the same problems with 10 different solutions instead of working together so it's fun to get together in groups like this and somebody's like oh you're having that problem too how did you fix it and then you're just sharing <laughs> those ideas those seem to be the only place that that comes together gdc and things like promised land but um definitely i think we're seeing the tools and the technology and the even just the demand and expectation from players on game developers that you know we want believable characters and and uh engaging stories and and i want to shoot people and solve puzzles and do all these things at the same time and it's just uh, the the challenge is always growing and we're trying to do it with uh fewer people and less resources all the time. So it's just, it's, it's a always changing environment. Do you feel like the uh, tastes of the consumer are different maybe from when we played games? 
I know you guys still mentioned you guys still play games, but I mean, as far as when we were kind of growing up with the, you know, Super NES and PlayStation, you know, the very first one and, you know, Genesis. Definitely. I think users are super savvy these days. They, you know, they may not know all the ins and outs of game development, but they know, you know, they can speak game design and they understand what a good experience is versus a bad one and how to articulate that back to developers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's becoming, you'll you see that a lot with, with developers now where they're taking a much more uh, transparent approach and involving the player base more in the development and, and having those open discussions with them. Interesting. Uh, it's still a challenge for bigger studios to do, but um, I know we're doing that a ton. We take a lot of what the players say in, to heart when we're developing and and create that relationship with them because, I mean, we're making the thing for them ultimately, right? Right, right. So, I just know we, you know, we were kind of even shooting the breeze before these guys got on talking about Cuphead, you know, where mm-hmm. this kind of running gun type old school I'm assuming I haven't played it yet, but by the looks of it, kind of that old school feel, but yet done with modern technology here. So I'm just kind of wondering how uh, maybe you guys have noticed the players' tastes have evolved or is it something similar to the past, but yet, like you said, it's on a much higher level. Yeah. uh, Sorry, I'm jumping in again. (laughs) No, it's okay. I'm a huge fan of Cuphead. I haven't spent much more than a couple hours playing it so far, but it's it's amazing, but it's almost the opposite of what I just said. It's just somebody had a vision and they believed in it so much. And they, I think I heard rumors, the guys mortgaged their own homes to pay for the development costs of it. It was like a proper labor of love. And, you know, these days, if somebody said, I'm going to make a side scrolling shooter, uh, people would call you crazy. It's like <laughs> trying to go up against overwatch or something and make a shooter or something. But, uh, but they pulled it off and it's, it's beautiful. So I think there's room, there's always room for new ideas. It's, and, and I, new ideas done well, I should say. Okay. Ideas are, are a dime a dozen. It's the execution of it that matters. And Cuphead's a perfect example of a really good execution on a good idea. Gotcha. And it's like nowadays too, so many people, the, the bar for entry in terms of making video games is so much lower now, like especially within the last five years there are publicly available engines and you can pick up unity or unreal for free and basically just get in there and if you know how to you know if you're a hands-on type of person you can make a game on your own in your spare time in your basement without having to be like a triple a you know giant um developer and we've heard so many of those like indie stories where like you know guys like john blow who when he made braid you know, it's just like there's only a few people making these games, but they can make a huge impact on the industry as a whole as well. You know, so hmm. that's that's definitely a new occurrence. What about you guys there at uh, CD Project Red? What we're doing, you're asking right now? Just, just, I mean, maybe what you're doing right now, how you guys have seen uh, the tides change or not change or uh, in the industry what you're enjoying in the industry maybe well before they answer actually i want to recommend danny um o'dwyer's no clip it's like this mm-hmm. youtube series that they he actually did a he's doing a five part on cd cd project um <laughs> about <God. laughs> he'll be up so 
<laughs> uh, it is too. really, really good. And <laughs> the first one talks about the origins of the company as a whole, and it's great. Very cool. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, check this out. Yeah, but what we are right now, what we're doing, of course, is Cyberpunk 2077. This is going to be a huge game. Uh, so kind of opposite to Cuphead, which I love so much. Uh, and and, and uh, still in development is Gwent, which is a, uh, like a card game, yeah? But it's already, I don't know how, but in a year they grow like, 100 people? 100 people, yeah. 100 people, yeah. Well, 100 people uh, creating a card game. So this is what we actually, uh, in, in CD Projekt Red, it was like that. Uh, let's do something smaller, you know? And, and finally, there's hundred people. And, yeah, yeah. Let's let's do like the pack, like five hours, you know. And okay, it's just twenty-five. Yeah, it's like we don't know, and we don't know how it happens. But it's like the things you start here, it grows and grows and grows and keep growing, and 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 they're quite big here. Is a constant pursuit for for the quality and scale. Like um, yeah. you know, as I told you, like, when I joined the company, there's like 30, 40 people here, and now it's like almost six hundred. So it's like every next project is just an enormous expansion of the team. Um, like the, the giant quality boost of the, of the CGI's of, of the graphics uh, that we're doing here, and, uh, you know, and for example, implanting the the open world in The Witcher two, and and finally in The Witcher three as the final step. That does like uh, things that are. Uh, Players want to have it in, in, in games right now. They they want to free roam the game and still have a cool plot. And all of them achieving that requires like a giant uh, amount of work and yeah. a huge team and uh, very long development times to do it properly. Hmm. Um, so but yeah, talking about smaller games and what Jeremy said that you have, you can be a one-month band actually. You don't know what it is. You can just install the Unreal and create yeah. something at home if you are, of course, there's a game I'm playing right now on iPhone. Let me just, it's called Dust. Uh, I recommend that it's a small RPG game you're playing like a squirrel. squirrel. Uh, and it was created by one guy, you know? Uh, just tell the company. It's, and the game is like 40 hours, something like that. Or like, and it's RPG, you know? And it's like, how? This, you know, Japanese old master says, impossibility, you know? It's like, how? How they do it? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it, but you know, so there are some like, a lot of geniuses around the world creating, uh, <laughs> you know, a small game which is even bigger than the regular titles, you know, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, pow okay, I'm going to hack it again. Powell? Yeah. <laughs> Close enough. Okay. Now you said you're a character artist, right? Yes. Now I noticed there was a lot of character that looked like character artist workshops there at the uh, Promised Land. Mm -hmm. One of the things I've I've appreciated, and maybe someone throw this out here to Jeremy and Simon, and maybe even you, Seb, who have more of an animation background. That's kind of your focus here. That was kind of my background here. But I've also become very appreciative of these other disciplines and how much. Um, they're similar in regards to a process as well, whether it be blocking things out and kind of uh, being reiterative or reiterative and to find a polish there too. Have you guys as artists, i.e. specifically animation, grown in your appreciation for these other skill sets here? I know you guys mentioned that that was a big key there at the uh, Promised Land as well. 
I think it is, it's very uh, important for artists from different disciplines to, to know more about um, colleagues from other teams and their work. You know, it's, it's important for illustrator that's designing character to know how um, the, the past will manufacture later on as a 3D model. It's also important for him to know how it will be animated, you know, he's not doing patience, you know, the technology behind it. It's very important. It's also it's important for 3D artists also to know how the, the card will be animated, you know, what, which things can be dynamically animated, you know, how to, you know, starting from technical things, like how to properly lay down mesh and lock out the character. So for example, the metal armor is not bending in animation. Um, so uh, yeah, our, our event, uh, what you're trying to do is like, um, taking all those disciplines. So illustration, concept design, um, modeling, sculpting, animating, and um, like it's, it's more, more or less even on the events, like 30% of each of those disciplines um, for the workshops and, the, and lectures, and really uh, um, push people to, to join all of them, you know? For me, like uh, I'm not attending only 3D classes and, and lectures on Promised Land. I really like to, to, to go for a, check out what's on animation, what's in illustration classes to, you know, gather, um, expand my horizons, you know, yeah. garner some knowledge. Uh, and I always find something very useful for me in my, you know, regular work, everyday work. So, yeah, and in my opinion, like it's for the less experienced artists, it's that, that makes those artists like more, they're, st they're starting empathizing with the people with the different skill set, you know, mm -hmm. and the, it's like, because in the end of the day, the, the, the way how you communicate with each other, you know, the way how you can communicate with the concept artist, the model, you know, with the reader, um, they actually, for the animator, they give you, they, they're giving you the pencil, yeah? So, uh, and th this, is, this is it, you know, in my opinion, the better communication, the better pencil you'll get in the end. You need to understand a little bit like at least basics from each of the discipline, in my opinion. And this is like what Promisland actually is, is trying to, uh, to, to, to tell too, you know? It's just, we all, we are like, we says we are uniting in art, united in art. Yeah, yeah so it's like, it's a, you're creating a huge game or a small game, doesn't matter, you know? It's a big family, you need to talk to each other, you need to, <laughs> you're like together creating huge things, you know? So you need to talk, you need to understand each other. Just yeah, and I guess I, I guess it was part of my point. Even just uh, you know, you're mentioning that you're working together, but even just for me, as I've kind of grown more in this industry, just the appreciation of it. You know, maybe it's not it might not even be a department that you might work with directly, but just the appreciation of the art form, I guess. Yeah, but you know, on an everyday basis, uh, it's really hard to find time for, for example, illustrators and concept designers to you know talk and cooperate with animators. For example, yeah. it's really hard. We, we don't have time for this. Like, it's yeah. not happening much. So this is an occasion where actually they both sides can uh, have an insight in the work, you know, yeah. more about their perspectives. Yeah, sometimes you know, actually at City Project Red, we are we are forming those tiny strike teams around the features, you know, and uh, like we are forcing people to talk to each other because. There's so many good ideas coming out of these meetings, you know, and you like every single person has a different perspective, yeah? and, and they really push concepts, push models, push animation. So, yeah, this is my opinion. It's one of the the, the most important uh, parts of the process in general. Now, how did you two meet, Seb and Paul? This is fun because we met actually uh, at Plastic Image, you know, because uh, previously I, I worked. 
uh, in cinematics, you know, before I came here. And actually, I worked on cinematics for The Witcher, which is funny. Uh, and Platish, there was a they had an idea to create the, they call it Platish Academy. It was cooperation from the Platish artists mm -hmm. and CD Projekt artists. We created six months, like a six months academy. There was like 60 slots for students. And this is how, how I met Pavel actually, you know, mm. and there because I was, I was uh, teaching animation. Pavel was teaching um, character, art and sculpting. And this is how we met. And then we met, you know, met a few times, you know, uh, during the cinematic creation process, you know, because there be, he, he was a client for me that time, you know, and I was delivering stuff. Um, Simon, Jeremy, can you guys talk? I know, Jeremy, you mentioned your unannounced project, but maybe, Simon, maybe what you've been working on since, obviously, like I said, we last spoke was back in 2013, so. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, no, I'm currently at a small studio called Phoenix Labs in Vancouver. Um, we're only about 40 people, a little more than 40 people now. Um, most of them, uh, most of the founders are ex-Riot. Uh, League of Legends people, uh, Bioware, some EA, some Ubisoft. We're just kind of a mixed mixed group of people from all the big studios. Um, we're working on our first uh, IP. It's called Dauntless. And it's a, kind of an action RPG hunting game. Go out and hunt big monsters with your friends and make stuff from their bits. <laughs> it sounded like a really cool idea. So um, yeah, this would be for the computer, you said, PC. For the PC at the start, yeah, we're we're not ruling out consoles, but PC on release. So, and we're currently in uh, closed beta right now. So, all right, any ETA on release date? Uh, it'll be early next year. Okay, yeah, keep, that, keep an ear out for that audience. Um, yeah. What have you been enjoying about working in a? Uh, you mentioned it's a smaller studio, maybe than you've mm -hmm. worked with. Uh, what are some of the pros and cons, maybe from where you've maybe enjoying? Yeah. Um, yeah, I spent most of my career at big studios, big teams, you know, several hundred people on these giant moving machines. But uh, I've been doing indie stuff for, yeah, since about, well, we last talked actually, about 2012, <laughs> 2013. Um, I love it. I love working on small teams. I love the opportunity to get my hands in a lot more of the game. Mm. Um, like Pavel was saying, you know, like there's on the bigger studios, you don't get to work with concept or character art or stuff like that a lot. But I sit next to the concept artist and my character artist. And we just, if we're going to come up with a new creature, we just turn our chairs around and come up with it right there. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and we can do proxies and we can iterate on it really, really quickly. Uh, and that's the beauty of it. I just, I love how fast we can create content and pivot if we need to. So if we, you know, we find something isn't fun, we can just turn and, go a different direction uh on a big team that's that's a slow moving vehicle <laughs> around so moving the titanic huh yeah no i i absolutely love it we we kind of have a thing we i think it's a board a bit from the riot days as well but a lot of our well everybody we hire we call them t-shaped people so they have a lot of knowledge in one discipline but they um they have mm -hmm. other knowledge across other disciplines so we dovetail together as a group oh very cool um which is really nice. So everybody, I mean, of course, feedback sometimes can get overwhelming on a group like that because everybody <laughs> knows exactly what your job entails and everything. But uh, we've got a great culture for that. The feedback is, 
is so, so important. So very cool. That's a lot of fun. What about you, Jeremy? Uh, I'm not allowed to talk about <laughs> what I'm doing, but, right, right. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I will say that I was incredibly, um, impressed. Hey, we won't tell anyone, yeah? <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to pause it right now. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, I am incredibly impressed at how supportive Blizzard was of me doing promise land in general. Very there, cool. Um, I don't think I like, I think I went into it probably a little trepidatious about, um, like how how into they'd be letting me kind of share my kind of animation knowledge with other people but they were like all about it from day one which is so cool to work for a company that's like supportive of their artists i think a lot of times i found this not so much in the film industry but in the games industry you sometimes like a lot of times you'll see it'll be like art and animation and as if somehow animation wasn't a part of art um, <laughs> and Blizzard is like totally not like that. They're very much um, all about animators as artists and kind of sharing their kind of art knowledge with other people. I think it's a really, really cool place to be. That's kind of neat. I guess for me, I haven't been on the gaming industry. And so that's why I was saying for me, I just enjoy the art side of it from other disciplines. But I like what Simon, you were mentioning there that T, would you call it T, uh, T, T artist? T shaped yeah. artist, you know, because yeah, I can see where it's very valuable. Um, to be strong. I, I, I've heard the uh, little adage, uh, jack of all trades, master of one instead, you know, instead of none, master of one, you, you be able to perform what you need to do, but be able to be a uh, jack of all trades in some of the other areas, at least a knowledge of it to be able to work in there. So it's becoming more and more important in video game development to be that T-shaped individual just because, you know, uh, focusing on one thing is really good if you're at a giant AAA studio, but these indie startups and all this other stuff that's happening is going to require a developer, not just an animator or a character artist or a, you know, coder or whatever. Really. Right. And I like, you know, Simon, that you mentioned that you enjoy that because you're able to kind of get your hands in other areas that you wouldn't normally have. Yeah, definitely feel like you have a voice in the in the final product rather than um, sort of making somebody else's vision uh, a reality. You get to have a, a real share, a real stake in something that you made, um, which I like. I mean, I've been doing this for so long now. I want to make what I want to make or what I, or at least I find interesting. And have a bigger part in influencing it, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very cool. Now, how about you guys there at CD Projekt? I know you mentioned that you guys have grown in there quite substantially in numbers. Do you feel like you still have that opportunity there in regards to the culture? Uh, well, unfortunately, we are in positions where we still have influence <laughs> to other uh, departments. But, you know, it's, I, I do miss times when the, the team was significantly smaller, you know. I, I miss times when we are finishing, the, for example, Witcher 2 with uh, almost 100 people team, but still there was, it was manageable amount of people. And uh, all of us were making like reviews in this, I remember, in this large conference room. And everybody, like starting, people from, from uh, every department can have an opinion about the plot, you know, about the quest design. Uh, some you know presidents who have has opinions about uh, the character designs and so on. We all shared it and implemented those things, and it was like it was like a team effort. You know, we really felt that uh, every single person has a huge influence of, of the um, concept of the game. Right now, of course, uh, right now also everybody has an influence, but uh, yeah, we are more more like separated. There's just so many people that it's just impossible. Plus, uh, things were 
really big, you know, quests are yeah. way bigger than it used to be, you know, so yeah, it's, it's really tough to control. Even no time actually to yeah. get involved in the work of other departments to check on daily basis, check out what they're doing, you know, just, just yeah. see the progress after a significant amount of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, and so that's a surprise actually. That product is a surprise, you know. Because <laughs> 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 we obviously know what everybody is doing. It's yeah. just kind of uh, over 500 people team. You don't know. You have no possibility actually to, to, to get know that. So, so you see that product after like significant amount of time and then you're surprised. Like, oh, I, I didn't knew we were doing that, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you guys do maybe outside of uh, maybe the work environment that you guys still kind of push you? Because I know one of the things, Jeremy, um, I really appreciated that you mentioned in our podcast. Uh, I think I took it to the next guest. I forget who that was. I don't have to look because they uh, they had worked with you. Um, but just the idea that to, you used to think that it was part of the um, – the, the job was to kind of help advance you as an artist, but you kind of had really realized that it's yourself, that you have to do that kind of stuff oh, yeah. outside of um, that environment. So what do you guys do to kind of help push yourself? Because I, I love this idea of the promised land. It's the idea of continuing learning. And I, that was kind of in my notes here, how important is it to keep learning? Um, so for you guys, what do you guys do to kind of help in that endeavor? It's, it's tough, like even now, like we're spending at least 10 hours at work every single day. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, Pavel and me, we have to manage like, I think, up to 40 people in uh, our teams. Wow. Yeah, so uh, it's, a, it's a crazy amount of people that you need to manage, give feedback, you know, take care, and it's not easy. So, of course, we do not spend much time like in an art creation process right now, which mm -hmm. is... But uh, from 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 like it's like doing overpaints. You know, yeah, that's all we got from art. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> trying to tweak uh, tiny animation, adding frame, or you know, changing the idea. You know, but see, after hours, is 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 tough either because I was animating personal stuff, you know, but just with myself. But like I found, like in the last year, I don't have time at all because. You know, family and that—that mm -hmm. um, that, you know—that steals time. But what I try to do right now, I'm trying to develop the eye uh, even more. So I'm really focusing right now on direction and design. Uh, I just started uh, mentorship, uh, like one-on-one -on -one mentorship with a guy, uh, ex-animator, kind of legendary maybe, and James Chan. And uh, he has a blog on the spirit animal, spiritual and animator, something like that. And uh, and the guy, uh, he, he, James has just an amazing eye in terms of uh, the way how to tell a story from the every single perspective, like art perspective, composition, character, arc, you know, story itself. So this is what I'm trying to do. You know, I'm trying to push myself from the director point of view. You know, mm. this is what I do after hours. Very cool. Jeremy, what about you? You know, my whole thing lately has just been like sharing more with people and that kind of like helps me get into that space of learning more, you know, like the more people I meet, the more I learn from them. So whenever I get a chance, I attend like CTN or GDC or obviously promised land. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I want to do more of this, 
kind of talking and sharing about animation because it not, I mean, not only do I like sharing, but just kind of like, it gives me the opportunity to meet so many people that I wouldn't get, you know, get to meet otherwise, you know, because a lot of times, especially in the animation industry, it can feel very insular because, you know, you're in a big company like Blizzard and it's like, there's so many amazing artists and animators there. I should just say artists, not artists and animators. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And, you know, it's hard sometimes to kind of get out of your box and just kind of be vulnerable and, and meet other people. But I find that that's like the, the best for me. You know, it's mm. like I learn stuff from my students too in class constantly. Um, I consider my entire career at iAnimate a lesson in just learning on how to be a good teacher, mm. which is not easy. <laughs> you know, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of lessons to learn. I feel like every block I get a little bit better at it. So amazing in terms of like teaching. I agree with Jeremy, you know, because when you teach that force you to be in shape all the time, you know, you have to be. Yeah, there you go. For sure. <laughs> this, is, this is this is great. You know, it's like you want to have some you want to rest or like you want to have some like free time and it's like slap, you know, it's like, no. <laughs> You cannot. You, know, you have a class tomorrow. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you, Simon? Yeah, I'll definitely uh, plus one the teaching thing. I think it's it's part of why I like doing the speaking things and and teaching every week is that. Uh, you just you can't get rusty, and you there's always a new problem somebody pushes at you that you've never seen before or you've never really thought about and even just the act of putting your process into words and saying it out loud really just helps sort of frame that in a way um so yeah I'm, for me that's kind of one of the big ways i'm fortunate and then i get to animate a lot as well in my day job uh maybe not as much as i'd like but uh more than i have before in a director role um so I definitely don't miss uh, spending my days in a spreadsheet and going to meetings, uh, but I do love directing and I do miss that a little bit, but um, yeah, definitely. I think outside of work is tricky with family and, and work kind of takes up most of it. Um, anytime I do have outside of work, I tend to do as little around a computer as I can. Uh, I've been, teaching myself how to make furniture for the last few years. So that's Very cool. outlet. I like yeah, to that's awesome. make something with my hands rather than a computer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, no, definitely. I always have that dream in the back of your head. You're going to make your film one day and <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> that's cool. That's very cool. And that's, I guess that's kind of why I asked you, because I, I do see these events like promised land to, where it's one of those things that kind of rejuvenates you. It's that idea of being around other artists where you start. It's just even that is just that constant learning there. That was a huge, actually kind of to go off on a tangent from that as well. It was the, that community and that sort of um, renewed excitement about what you do after you go to something like that, like a GDC or promised land, like you go back to your desk after you get all excited to go and make some more things. And uh, we got, I think a few years back, a few of us at GDC really loved that so much. We were trying to find a venue to make that work. And we started a site called Anim State and we've been trying to get that going, but everybody's working so much on their own things that it's just one of those slow moving 
the things we're trying to roll up the hill. But yeah, that's exactly what we want is that create a community of game animators and just try to get that going more year round instead of these little like once a year, twice a year. Maybe you see somebody you haven't seen for six, seven years, right? Like, <laughs> it's unfortunate, but we've got things like Discord now and Slack and, and all these great places for people to keep in touch. So it's getting better. Cool. Now you guys mentioned that, you know, the, the gaming industry is kind of unique in, in some ways because of the technology here. So, you know, maybe besides I animate little plug there. Um, what else would you uh, do to encourage people wanting to get into the aim- gaming industry? Make a game. <laughs> okay. It's never been easier just to get uh, your hands dirty in there. There's so many tutorials, especially for something like Unreal. Um, we've been saying this for years and I still have never received a demo reel with uh, a playable version of somebody's animations. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's super easy to make a simple blend space and hook it up to a controller and send me the EXE for it. You know, it's, um, it would be a refreshing take on that, but yeah, I think it's, it's so easy to make something dead simple, even if it's just a basic moves, move space, like a move set for a character that you bought or got for free somewhere. It's, Mm. uh, it's just so approachable now. Mm. The cool thing about it too is, is it's almost kind of its own test. It's like a built-in test because, yeah, you know, as like accessible as it is to get a game engine and start throwing animations into it, it's not easy. You know, no. like I mean, you'd have to like figure it out, and that's a good test <laughs> for if you're going to be a game developer. Figuring it out is a real big, at least a real big part of my job. Like I don't really always have the answers. I have to kind of like do a lot of fiddling like, around with things most of it's just yes i can do that and then you're furiously on google where's <laughs> <laughs> the tutorial on this yeah. Yeah. we have a tech artist that says ask uncle google yeah <laughs> and that's one of the you know one of the benefits of having guys like you teach at iAnimate is we've got experienced guys and it's it's helping give a lot of young artists that leg up to uh for that wisdom to kind of get jump into the game industry. So um, that's why I said, in addition to I animate, I just, I, I mean that tongue in cheek, but it's a great venue because we're getting guys like you guys who have been in the industry for quite some time and still in it day to day. So. Yeah. I don't know anybody that hasn't worked hard that hasn't gotten a job in what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. That's the thing though. is like, sometimes you can convince yourself that you're working hard, but you really aren't. But if you truly are, <laughs> you'll get a job (laughs) like it's almost impossible to not work hard and you know so but that's the hard thing you work hard work is hard so you know (laughs) great advice what about you guys there seb what would you guys uh advise and maybe pow i'm gonna (laughs) powerful you know i'm just gonna mumble it so you guys can sometimes i go to get these messages from 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 students like what to start from like you know, you know those kind of silly questions, like in my opinion, because right now you just Google it, and it's like you have what you said, like you have iAnimate, you have many, many, many other tutorials, cameras, you know, you have free engines, it's like just start doing things, you know, the 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 the, the in my opinion, in my opinion, right now nowadays, like there's so many things around that people are just start to feel like overwhelmed, you know. Mm. Uh, so so many things to pick that people don't know what's the 
proper direction to make sure that they don't want waste, uh, don't waste the time, you know. Mm. And in my opinion, like, uh, mm, like in investing time in a proper school, in a, in a in a great great like like legendary kind of books or or like you know even listening to the podcast like everything is there just you can really find a direction you know but but maybe right now everything like the, the person who wants to start is all about like asking questions um but blindly you know when the when the just like just just the matter of opening eyes and, and uh, really set the goal and just follow it. And, and this is what I would do right now. Like, it's so, it's so easy to spoil the student right now, you know? The, the, everything is, is, is there. And I remember when, when you guys say, you know, when, when we started, there was like, in Poland, you have no animation school at all, yeah? So, <laughs> Uh, the art schools here are just, you know, doing the traditional art. There's even what is like the CG, CG kind of courses, courses here um, in Poland are like, you know, still pretty, you know, uh, bad. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very honest guy. You're an honest guy. You're a straight shooter. <laughs> but this is it. <laughs> okay. Okay. For the for the art, the cart art, uh, I think it's a bit different. Uh, you know, this uh, little this cool new technology have like uh, softwares that texture things, texture things for you. We have uh, things that sculpt for you. Yeah. you know, like kid bashing, for example, you get a bunch of kid bashing. You can make a super cool robot in five seconds. You know, in no time. Yeah. So I think like for for cart artists, it's. Uh, it's, I recommend doing uh, basics, you know, like uh, be able to uh, sculpt, for example, uh, clothing and garment folding manually, not using Marvel's designer because that's easier. You can, can do it, you know, uh, make, make uh, I don't know if you know, Marvel's designer mm -hmm. is a new author that's, you know, both in, in games and movies. It's, uh, it's a must have right now, you know, so, you know making photorealistic garments with it. Uh, but it's great if card arts actually can sculpt it by hand also. You don't have to be perfect that it's uh, I encourage card artists to draw, for example, because you you can really see the difference between the guys that are able to very swift in drawing, how they feel the form, you know, how, how they feel lighting and everything. So it, it makes uh, then sculpting characters way easier. I encourage to to sculpt traditionally in clay because then you can actually feel the form. You can even easily rotate. You can feel it the, the form of the by your hands. Uh, it's way easier. Here actually, I'm kind of counting for for VR. Because uh, Martin Klitschke, one of our great card artists, is started using uh, VR for sculpting. There's this mm. software called Medium, and he says the experience is like in real life sculpting, and it's, it's you know it's so much different looking at a character in a uh, stereoscopy, you know, <laughs> in a VR uh, uh -huh. plus screen. You know, it makes a significant difference. That's for example when the figurines are done by by companies like Sideshow, they're first cutting them in, Z, in ZBrush, then they are printing them in the 3D printers just to be able to touch it, feel it. You know, so it's, it's that's proper. If the form is good, then the scan, scan make some tweaks, scan it again, put it to ZBrush for final detail. So nice. uh, really coming uh, to software like uh, VR. But for now, the best thing is you know clay sculpting traditionally and drawing, just making the, the basic study. Study anatomy, study uh, the, the traditional 
Uh, yeah, plus you know, it, it makes you humble in my opinion because people think like, okay, I'm gonna be a modeler. Oh, let's install Zebra. Oh wow, you know, I have a preset. Two wrinkles, you know, I am dancing all Klingon. It looks like Klingon, you know. So, uh, so, so you can use a new technology to, you know. You can use scan to make a face, you know, then you can make, uh, fix the eye and the ear with uh, kit bash tools and zebras, and you can texture it automatically and generate hairs automatically. Great, so you're, you're very swift at technology now, yeah. but actually you're missing this. Uh, and right now, like, yeah, exactly. And there's a question, like, what to do next? Yeah? Yeah. Where's the proper topology? Now make a caricature. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not that easy anymore. Uh. A very specific face that has some very specific expression. Um, so exactly, this is what I what I said basics. before. In my opinion, there are so many great tools right now. So it's really easy to feel overwhelmed, and it's really easy to underestimate like traditional things, like you know, drawing as power set and sculpting, or or two D animation, whatever you know. People are uh, you know taking motion capture trying trying to push it, but they don't understand proper ball bouncing. You know, mm -hmm. and, and and then you see that you know the motion capture is cool, but it didn't push it enough, so it doesn't look animated. Like gotcha. And, and 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 this is it. Yeah. So basics. And in on promise end, we are trying to uh, clash those two environments. So we are inviting traditional artists. We are we, this year we invented Silva Bombo, which is fantastic old painter, traditional painter. Uh, we invited three sculptures that are, you know, they don't even know how to use English. They are just uh sculptures and there's like actually very incredible how the knowledge sharing between the, the, the digital artists and the traditional artists uh, how, how yeah. it works it's like both sides um, can, can can use it to, to, to enhance their skills and abilities we also this year we had guys from converse for example they were talking about how they are preparing uh, the, how they are preparing the season in the, in the in converse how they, for the how they prepare for the season you know how they make the research of what will be fashionable uh, what uh, you know yeah how to, how the garments are made how the shoes mm. are designed that's uh, incredible insight you know for guys who are designing uh, garments for characters in the games on every day but they never actually design the real garment mm -hmm. Uh, it's a fantastic knowledge for them, you know. Very cool. A weapon designer said that it would be super cool to get a guy from a, from a real, you know, uh, weapon uh, manufacturer uh, to because every day he's he's designing weapons, you know, he's taking those pictures from internet, seeing how it works. He he's going on the shooting range, of course, to to feel it and know how mm -hmm. the weapons are built, but he doesn't know how they're designed actually. Mm. What principles are important, you know, yeah. how those guys are thinking. So that's what we're also trying to do on Promise that to clash people from uh, not only from the uh, movies and game industry, but also from outside. Uh, from, from yeah, because the fresh perspective is always, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's very, very often like a game changer, you know, because it completely twists your perspective, right? And it opens your mind. And actually, this is the way how, in my opinion, in my opinion this is one of the best tools to become better artist, you know? To very cool. Other those all those perspectives and 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 develop the eye in the end. Yeah. Now, how often do you uh, or when is the roundabout time that you guys do uh, the Promised Land? The CTNs is about the twentieth yeah. of November. Yet, you know, it happened. The first edition was in the middle of September. The <laughs> second edition was at the beginning of September, and actually. Yeah. To be honest, we didn't make a decision. Uh, yeah. Like the difference, uh, I think. 
for the second edition, everything was better except the weather. <laughs> <Because> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. And it's like this: the September, October in in Poland is like uh, most probably it will be raining and be really shitty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're thinking about uh, moving sooner, but we don't have this. Yeah. Okay. We'll make sure we plug plug the event. I think it's a really neat opportunity, particularly there for for those that are in that area, or as you can see from some of these guys here, Simon and Jeremy, who are willing to travel over there and, and see a cool part of our, our world. So uh, very cool event. So I, any last words, guys, before we close? I say it's definitely worth the trip. Um, like the event was great. Everything there is definitely worth it on its own, but I thought Wuj was great as a city as well. It was really fun to see that. Uh, that art culture moving in there you can still see a lot of the old sort of abandoned buildings right next to these beautiful murals and new kind of bars and restaurants and uh, it was tons of fun I wish I had more time to go and check out mm. more of the place but yeah one thing that wasn't mentioned is just how great Seb and Pavel were and just in terms of being hosts for all the um, yeah. speakers and stuff like that those guys were like Oh, stop it. It was fantastic. No, 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 no. It was fantastic. Um, they took such great care of all the speakers, and we always felt like, you know, we knew exactly where we needed to be, and we had everything we needed, and even though, you know, Poland could not be more different than California. Uh, it was really, really cool. Fantastic. Well, really appreciate you guys' time on this. I love these roundtables. Again, it's like that opportunity to be able to kind of gather. So I really appreciate you guys' time on this. I'm going to plug the uh, previous podcast with uh, each of you guys here and uh, look forward to catching you guys at some other event, maybe CTN or Promised Land there. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Good to see you guys.